Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning. My name is Debbie Williams, and I will be reading from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 34. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Debbie, thank you for reading the scripture today. Appreciate that very much. So we begin a new message series today, The Path to Contentment. You know, there's a lot of Uh, A lot of books out there these days about happiness, how to find happiness, stumble onto happiness, resist happiness, all these kinds of books and videos and such about happiness. And that's, that's fine. That's good. I, you know, I recommend it. Happiness is a good thing. Uh, But I think a lot of us want something even deeper than that. It's not just about being happy. It's about, it's about this level of contentment. This something deep, deep inside of us that knows it's okay. I'm going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. I think that's what a lot of us want, something far deeper than just a kind of momentary experience of happiness. When I think of contentment, I think of the words of Paul in his letter to the Philippians when he wrote this. He said, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That'd be awesome to know what it means, to live into what it means to be content, whatever the circumstance, regardless of what you face, in any situation, to be content. It was one of the ways that we sometimes misunderstand contentment and, or happiness, for that matter, is that we think of it as being something external to us. It's something out there that we need to go find, or somehow will come to us. You know, once I, once I get all my ducks in a row, then I'll be happy. Once I get all the, check, check off all the things on my list, then maybe I can be content. It's just that all this stuff keeps changing. There's all the external things just always change. If we're waiting for that to line up so I can finally be happy, well, it's going to be a long wait. <laughs> so it's something that's internal to us. It's something inside of us. It's about our character. It's about our sense of, of identity, of belonging, of purpose. That's about contentment. That's what the series is going to get at and the aspects of contentment. Now, let me tell you something else that will happen in this series it is, there is going to be a stewardship emphasis during this series as well. Yes, it's the fall. Yes, it's that time of year where people say, well, they're talking about money at the church again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're gonna, we do that on occasion. It's kind of typical in a lot of churches this time of year to have some kind of stewardship emphasis. And generally, when we think stewardship, we think, we think money, of course, right? Uh, we think money. Uh, and, and yes, we are going to be asking you to make commitments 
uh, estimate you're giving for the next year. Yes, we're going to do all that with the cards and our online forms, whatever. Yes, we're going to do all that. However, I want us to think of stewardship differently. I want to redefine stewardship. That stewardship is what we do after we say yes to God. Stewardship is what we do after we say yes to God. It's not simply about money. I mean, that's not the only sign of stewardship. We've all been granted, gifted a life. We didn't didn't make it happen ourselves. It's a gift. And so I am the steward or the trustee of this life that I've been given. So it's not simply about money. It's about how you interact with your family. It's about, it's about your relationships at work and in your neighborhood, about how you take care of yourself, your physical and mental and emotional, spiritual well-being, the ways that you are a blessing and a witness to people around you. It is also about your relationship to money and possessions along the way. But again, stewardship is what we do with our, in our lives, the ways that we live after we say yes to God. So it is partly a commitment to our church, yes. It is, it is that as well. It is about important to see how giving to God's work through our church is a part of this stewardship and is a part of contentment. Contentment is something about qualities and characteristics that we that we develop over time. Now, I think it's one of those funny things that I think if, if you're just Amy, if you just think, I'm just going to be content. I'm going to be content. That's my goal. That's my aim. I think we miss it all the time. I think it's one of those things that somehow there's a, or, you know, we're just going to miss it. I think contentment is something we discover as we more and more faithfully live the life God wants us to live. That, that as we develop these aspects we're going to talk about in this series, the more we'll discover wow, I feel much more content in my life now than I used to. You know, aspects like abundance, simplicity, gratitude, generosity, all those are aspects that we develop where we discover contentment. And so today we're going to begin this series with talking about compassion. So we'll talk about what compassion is, we'll talk about what the Scripture teaches about it, and we're going to talk about what does it look like in daily life, the really specific example that you and I have faced many, many times. So, there are benefits to showing compassion. I just I, I, I get really interested in these studies when they talk about how they do these functional MRIs on, on people's brains while they are seeing images or experiencing things and see how things light up differently in the brain. It's just it's fascinating to me. And how when somebody is um, uh, prompted to feel compassion, it lights up those parts of your brain that are the pleasure and the reward parts of your brain, and it releases oxytocin. The hormone oxytocin, which is the, that it makes you feel good. It's that thing. I mean, sometimes you see something that's really, really heartwarming, and you go, oh, oxytocin is probably in your bloodstream right that minute, right? But if that person, you know, their head is in the, in the MRI, and, and they're experiencing resentment, anger, bitterness, all that, it's a whole different part of the brain, and it's releasing stress hormones, even if you're just thinking about it. And so, there are physiological benefits even to showing 
experiencing showing compassion. They show it's lower heart rate, lower blood pressure, better overall feeling about yourself and about life. There are actually physiological benefits. But to be honest, compassion is hard. Compassion is hard. I mean, the word compassion literally means to suffer with. Well, not necessarily a thing we want to you know, just go and sign up for, right? It's hard. It means that we have to, have to connect with a person and their situation in a way that we may not like doing. I mean, but, but surely you've known, you've known a situation, a person, a, something uh, that, was, that it just made you say, oh, it just makes my heart hurt. Okay, well, that's, that's part of compassion. That's a part of compassion. And yeah, it makes your heart hurt sometimes. Dr. Paul Gilbert defines compassion this way. He says, uh, compassion is a sensitivity to suffering with a commitment to try and alleviate and prevent that suffering. So it is about seeing a, a person who is going through something difficult, seeing a situation that's troubling, and feeling that. It's also about, is there a way I can help? It, it's, it's, that, it's seeing it, and then it's acting on it. Is there something I can do? Can I help? Can I help prevent this from happening again? Can I provide some kind of relief for that person? What can I do? It's seeing and doing. And, and so, you know, I mean, of course, the epitome of compassion is Mother Teresa. If you don't know who that is, look, you know, look her up <laughs> on a search. It, I mean, just this literally saint of a woman who for so many years uh, served the poor in the poorest part of a uh, city in India. And she just, she truly believed as she, as she served those who were suffering, she was serving Christ. The epitome of compassion. Well, one of, the, one of the problems we have today with compassion, of course, is we've become desensitized. We've kind of become desensitized. Uh, you know, we've, kind of, we've grown tired, we've grown weary of those uh, TV commercials or those ads that kind of, at, at a certain point, kind of feel manipulative. You start, as soon as you hear the, the music to that commercial, you just, oh, hit mute. Just hit mute, really. Because we're just, it just, it's just overwhelming. We see it so much. Uh, it's just this constant presence in the media, uh, whether that's news media or whether it's social media. I mean, sometimes people share things, right, on their, face, on their uh, social media. I shouldn't name names. Uh, on their social media, and, and, and it's maybe a total stranger to them. But they're depicting this suffering that this person is going through or this situation. And so we see suffering over and over all the time. And it just, after a certain point, we begin to be desensitized. And part of that's because we feel helpless. What can I do? Even worse, we've also learned, and now this is to some extent probably a coping mechanism, uh, we've along the way learned to blame somebody for their own struggle. Well, he should have known better. She's just getting what she deserved. They just needed to get a job. And we begin to blame people for the suffering. Now, yes, sometimes people make bad decisions. Sometimes people do things that are not helpful and healthy. And yes, they get into situations and it's hard for them. That's right. And I'm not saying we excuse that or we just say, oh, you know, that's, everything's fine. But that doesn't mean we can't have compassion for the person who's doing this. 
Compassion for the person who, yep, they, they recognize, I made a bad decision. I'm in a tough spot now. We still have compassion for them. You still offer to help. See, compassion means that we see the pain in the other person and want to do something to help out if we can, regardless of how they got there. So that's a little bit about what compassion is. So what does the Scripture teach? Uh, this Scripture that uh, Debbie read, uh, I, I don't know why I've always loved this. It just kind of, I can just imagine it. Uh, the disciples had been out. Jesus had sent them out on a mission. You guys go and do these things, go to these villages and do this ministry, this mission. And, and so they had done that, and they came back. And so they were debriefing with Jesus. Jesus said, that, that's great. Good job. Now it really is a time for rest. Let's, let's get away. Let's get away from the crowds. Let's go rest, which that by itself is a little bit of a message, right? <laughs> let's go rest. So they get in the boat, go across the water. They're going to get to a place, go to a quiet place where they can be alone. Except the crowd sees them, and so the crowd, it says they're running along the water. They, they're running along the shores, people from all the towns, and, and they're running so fast, they're getting to the place where Jesus is going before he even gets there. And it says he looks at the crowd, and he was really annoyed. Not really, that's not what it says. He had compassion. But, but, I mean, wouldn't you feel annoyed? I mean, if you finally get a break, we're finally going to get away, we're finally going to do something, and then you're, it's like, you know, it's, it's 5 o'clock the day before, and you get that email. Well, I guess I'm going to change plans, right? Jesus saw them and had compassion. He saw their vulnerability. He saw their vulnerability and began to teach them many things. Now, this is, this is not a new reference, new use of the phrase, sheep without a shepherd. It's in the Old Testament, too. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel speaks of how God will stand against those leaders of God's people, whether religious or political, God will stand against them who leave the people as sheep without a shepherd. And even before that, Moses calls out to God when Moses, because of his own shortcomings, calls out to God and, and asks God to not leave the people as sheep without a shepherd. This is something that's deep in the tradition, and so Jesus sees these people and they look like sheep without a shepherd. And so he goes toward them because he felt compassion. So Jesus is fulfilling God's desire that the people not be left without a shepherd, that the people not be left without help. Jesus fulfills that. Now, later in the New Testament, there's talk of uh, compassion in Paul's letters. As Paul is instructing the churches, these churches he's had a connection to, and as he's now traveling around, he writes them letters and says, this is what it looks like in your situation, but here's also some general things you ought to know. And, and so in Ephesians and Colossians and uh, Philippians, he teaches about what it means to be compassionate toward one another. So compassion is intended to be a, a signature characteristic of who we are. It's supposed to be a signature characteristic in our, in our lives and in and through the church. It's completely consistent with the idea that we talk, we've talked about before, how going all the way back to Abraham, God's people were intended to be a blessing to every family of the earth, to 
be a blessing. And then with the, and then with the resurrection of Jesus and the advent of the Holy Spirit, to be a witness to all the people of the world. To be a blessing and a witness. And an aspect of that is exhibiting compassion. Okay, so that's what it is. That's what the Scripture teaches. What does this look like in real life? Or how do we do compassion after we have said yes to God? How do we do compassion after we have said yes to God? Well, the first step, the first step is, well, pay attention. Notice. I know we've become desensitized. We want to look away. We just want to do my thing and get out of here. But notice what's going on around you. So, uh, uh, Mary and I share a, a conviction that we think that it's, it's a good thing for everybody at some point in their life to have to work in food service. If you've ever done that, you know what I'm talking about. You sure learn a lot. You sure learn a lot. You learn about a lot about people. It so happens that all of our kids have uh, at one time or currently <laughs> worked or working in food service one way or another. So, it, so, so you learn a lot. You learn a lot. So Mary and I went to, uh, on Friday nights that we go out to eat. There's a place we like to go uh, on Friday nights frequently, kind of a default place for us, uh, and we like to sit outside. They have a great outdoor seating area, um, and it's just relaxing. It's just, we just, it just feels good on a Friday, right? The end of the week, <sighs> you can just finally kind of breathe a little bit. Very relaxing. Uh, there's a great place where children can play in an area, and we, we just like to watch the kids. We've gone there several, several times. So, the last time we were there, just, just not very long ago, the, uh, uh, it looked like they had some new staff, maybe new management, not sure, but okay, that's fine. So, you know, but then, so we got a server we had never had before, a young woman who came to be our server, take our order, all those kinds of things. And, you know, she came across as inexperienced. She came across as inexperienced. Uh, and also, it appeared that English was not her first language, which is fine with me. I, I have no trouble with that. It, sometimes it just means you've got to work a little harder. But it was also loud because you're outdoors and there was live music. And so it's kind of loud, kind of hard to hear and understand all the time. And some of the timing of how things came out was not great and, and got the appetizer order wrong. And honestly, I was getting annoyed. I mean, I'll just be honest. I was like, it's Man, it's Friday. It's our night. It's our night to relax. It's to ah, just chill out. Everything just works, right? And here, no, things are slow getting here. It was the wrong order. Now we've got to get this other order. And, of course, while we're waiting on the right appetizer, we've eaten the appetizer that they brought, which we didn't order. We shouldn't have eaten, but we ate it. You know, it's just... And I'm annoyed. But also, and Mary helped me with this, started trying to notice the young server. She looked pretty inexperienced. I wondered if it was her first serving job. And because of the language challenge, that made it hard too. So, I, so you begin to think, well, how's she feeling? How's she feeling? Depending on the management, she might have had to pay for that appetizer that she got wrong. So she might be really frustrated too. 
begin to notice. And like, Mary always puts me in my place, and she, she just said, so what if she was one of our kids? Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 that'd be a lot nicer. So notice, notice. Second step, if possible, whatever the situation is, if possible, offer help. Offer help, which could be just simply the form of changing your attitude and interacting differently with the person. That, that can be a help. It may be a situation where you can jump in and say, oh, let me help you with that, right? But in some cases you can't, but you can at least change an attitude or just offer a word of encouragement. Maybe without them knowing it, offer a prayer for that person. So you've noticed, offer help. Now, I'm not saying you can fix things. The person who made the bad decision, has done the, yeah, you can't fix that. There's a way you can help, great. Do it. Pay attention. Help if you can. Third, tell someone of the incident as a matter of accountability. Tell someone about the incident as an act of accountability. In other words, you can have those kinds of interactions, but if you don't tell anybody, it just kind of stays right there, right? And then the next time something annoys you, it's easier to not do anything about it. Tell somebody as an act of accountability. Just, I mean, just a friend, a family member. Just, well, you know, today I was in a situation and that thing happened and I, and, but, you know, I, I began to see them with compassion. And that, and that was helpful to me. Because what's going to happen is the person you tell that to, they might be inspired to then show more compassion in their life. They might hear that and go, yeah, you know, next time I'm at a restaurant, I might ought to be nicer to the server. Or next time, I, they might be inspired to be more compassionate. Matter of fact, that's one of the things they show in that research, right? Where the, where the things, it, it, even if, it, if it's not you involved in the act of compassion, if you see it happen, if you just witness it happening, the pleasure reward center fires up. And it feels good, and you want to do it. Simple. Three steps. To show compassion. To move us toward greater compassion. That we would see with Jesus' eyes. We might see somebody who appears to be a sheep without a shepherd. Might appear to be in over their head. Might appear to be in a situation that, yes, they might have created it themselves, but, man, I still feel bad for them. Three simple steps to move us toward compassion, which will be one of those aspects to learn to be content. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, the fact that you see us with compassion. I'm sure we provide lots of opportunity that you could be annoyed with us. And yet we know, we trust that you see us with compassion and you love us and you reach out to us and we're grateful. So God, we pray that we would begin to have more and more of those eyes of Jesus to see people uh, not as inconveniences, not as annoyances, not as situations we just would really rather avoid, but we would really begin to see the people, people that you love and people that, for whom Christ died. Help us to be ambassadors, 
of compassion in our lives and in our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.